Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, it's another election night. I'm not going to talk very long about politics, but I would like to share the primary results with you. Uh, at 7.30, the West Virginia polls closed, poll closed, and uh, Trump won, of course. Trump won, of course, and uh, Donald, uh, Donald Trump won. I'm looking at the reason my voice is breaking up. I'm looking at the Nebraska results that are coming in right now. Trump wins again in Nebraska. I'm trying to see what happens with Sanders and Clinton. <clears throat> they have no comment yet on those two. Let's hold in here a second, see what happens. Nothing. So they have no news on Nebraska, apparently. So let's go do my show now. You can get it afterwards uh, on your own from your television set. Uh, tonight we got an interesting um, interesting show to present. I'm going to talk about some things you haven't heard about. You may question why you haven't heard about these things. I do. We should have it on our media, but we don't. I'm going to start tonight with China. I've got a couple of interesting things about China, sort of eye-openers in a sense. Nothing dramatic but interesting. China has just passed a law, a new law, that bans eating bananas seductively while live-streaming. You heard me, eating bananas seductively while live-streaming. China, biggest population in the world. Uh, the young people especially are live-streaming all over the place in China. And during this, they, they, they have their own little sex games to play. And what they're doing, especially the ladies, are eating bananas seductively. Uh, China, of course, the government considers themselves conservative. They don't go for this. And they don't like it, so they passed this law because they just say women eating and sucking bananas is not what is proper. That's it. And uh, so they passed the law. What, what they've also done is impose on the websites that do the live streaming the obligation to watch the channels for 24 hours to catch anybody or make sure this does not call on. Go on. Go on. What's uh, interesting also is that what happens if they stop using the bananas and they go to cucumbers? This is all part of what's on the Internet in China. This is what's on the news in China today, my friends. So don't laugh when I say this. Suppose they go to cucumbers next. Well, they have to have another law. Well, then they're going to go to yams. Apparently yams are very popular in China and so forth and so forth. But they do have a law. You can't eat bananas seductively while live streaming. This one really I find very interesting, and I wonder if there could be any adverse consequences from it. I'm talking about Italy, and I'm talking about China. There are many, many rich Chinese tourists uh, going through 
uh, Italy this year. It's estimated 3 million Chinese tourists will pass through Italy this year. They're having problems, big-time problems, especially in Rome and Milan. The problems occur from the refugees that are coming in, and in Italy they're mostly uh, black Muslims from North Africa. Uh, They get stuck there in Italy uh, for some reason. They want to go to Sweden. They can't get there. They get stuck in Italy. They have so many in Italy that the Italian government now pays each refugee, gives to each refugee 30 euros a day to survive. That's $40 American money. It's, you know, Italian welfare. Uh, Well, these rich Chinese people are getting robbed, excuse me, by the... uh, the the refugees on the streets, and so the Chinese police are now in Rome and Milan to help the Italian police protect the Chinese tourists. That's correct. We're into a two-week project uh, to see if this is going to work. The Chinese government has sent its police officers to Italy. Italy has invited them. This is a project. They test. It ends May 13th. If it's successful and fewer Chinese tourists are robbed, then the program, the project, will be extended and other cities will be added on, which now brings me to, <coughs> excuse me, Saudi Arabia. <coughs> I'm sorry, Saudi Arabia. A uh, couple of interesting things on Saudi Arabia. I love Saudi Arabia. I think they're the horror of horrors out there in the world. They gave us $4 a gallon gasoline. It's suspected that they financed the 9-11 terrorists. Uh, they're very uncooperative. We, we give them something like $4 billion a year for nothing. I don't understand why, because they're so filthy rich out there. They've got all that oil. But we give them $4 billion a year, so they will be our, pres- our friends. Every year, $4 billion gratis. Uh, well, what's going on over there now? We know that who do the Arabs hate the most? They hate the Jews. They hate Israel. They have promised, they have sworn to blow Israel off the face of the earth, to kill all Jews in the Middle East. And who leads the, 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 this, the, this venom all the time? Saudi Arabia. They are a leader amongst the Arab nations, if not the leader. You heard of the Panama Papers, which about two weeks ago someone hacked into something in the islands or something into somebody's computer and found out a lot of strange stuff. This is like, um, we're not supposed to know. Uh, Secret bank accounts and all that kind of stuff. And other information came out as to how money was being used. Turns out that the king of Saudi Arabia was one of the biggest fund supporters to Netanyahu, Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel, running for re-election last year. You remember he came and talked to the United States Congress, uninvited by President Obama. He was running for re-election, had a tough election. Well, turns out the guy who sworn to kill him and kill all of Israel and blow them off the face of the map, the king gave them $80 million dollars. And gave him $80 million last year in 2015. And this is how it works. This is, I guess, how you move money around uh, discreetly, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the money, okay, the $80 million, uh, was 
issued to a Syrian Spanish person by the name of Mohammed Ia Kayali, Kayali, who then deposited the money to a certain company, company's account in the British Virgin Islands. The company was owned by Teddy Segui. Teddy Segui is an Israeli billionaire and businessman who then, it was his company the money was deposited in by Segui, allocated the money to Netanyahu, okay, to use in the campaign. The point of the story, my friends, King of Saudi Arabia gives $80 million to Netanyahu, the man and the country he has sworn to obliterate. Staying with Saudi Arabia, these people are real cool out there. I, I sometimes wonder who's crazier, uh, Putin and Russia or Saudi Arabia and their leaders. And I say that with all seriousness. Uh, well, here's what happens in Saudi Arabia. Uh, how am I going to approach this? The government of Saudi Arabia had a video made. The video shows how a husband is to beat his wife. Instructions as to how a husband was to beat his wife. This was put on national television, and it's still running on national te uh, television. It's been there since February 16th. Government approved, government of Saudi Arabia approves, because after all, the Koran and the, the, the ruling people in Saudi Arabia believe that women should be punished. That's how you keep them in line. You whip their asses, etc. You make them wear black. You don't let them drive cars. They're not even second-class citizens, these women. They're fifth or sixth-class citizens. There's no back of the bus for them. They're out on the highway. So they put on TV, they, the government has made this video, and they have a doctor, a for real MD, uh, giving the lecture, giving the instructions. And again, it's to show a husband how he's to beat his wife. Well, that's interesting. What gets upsetting, at least to me, is this video was released in the United States last month. Last month, that video was uh, released in the United States. It was put on a Washington-based uh, Washington-based site. It was owned and operated by the Middle East Medical Research Institute. Middle East Medical Research Institute. Can you imagine? Uh, it, this is owned by them, by this Middle Eastern Medical Research uh, Institute. But it's running right now in the United States on whatever channel these people own. Uh, women, female activists in the United States have gotten upset. They're infuriated, in fact. They've complained to our government, and guess what our government has done? Absolutely nothing. We never seem to want to offend the Saudi Arabians, and they're not our friends. They screw us every chance they get. Uh, so this is all interesting, too. Isn't it? Can you imagine a video on how to beat your wife up? I'm going to talk about the day the world changed. I, I describe it as the day the world changed. Uh, there have been many days where the world changed. 9-11 was the day the world changed. Uh, and there have been December 7th was the day the world changed. And another day when the world changed was May 9th, 1960. May 9th, 1960. Uh, this was a big day for women. Because on that day, the FDA, American women, by the way, the FDA approved, okay, the first birth control pill. Yes, for use, the first control, birth control pill. 
Envoyed 10, okay? Wonderful thing. Gave women, American women, reproductive freedom. Plan your babies. Nothing wrong with that. Plan your babies, and you can go out and have all the sex you want, and you won't get pregnant. Remember, I, I, I believe this. This is what Lewis thinks. I don't think for religious reasons or moral reasons, uh, women, young ladies in 1960 and prior there too, uh, were reluctant to have sex outside marriage. They were reluctant because, for religious reasons or moral reasons. No, they were afraid they were going to get pregnant. That was the whole deal. In 1960, I was a lawyer. I just started practicing law. I saw this sexual revolution come on just like that. It was like a bomb coming off when the pill was out there. And it went on for several years. It went on for about 10 years where women said, whoopee-doo, and they were out there trying to have sex as often as frequently as they thought men were doing it. And they became very, very free sex-wise. They went crazy, in effect, okay? Again, they started living as men did uh, as regards sex. They became promiscuous. I say this respectfully. They believed in free love. They were predators. They were chasing the men because they could do it. They could have one-night stands, etc., etc. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying it happened, and people should understand how it happened, because it provided not only family planning, but sex for pleasure, where a woman did not have to fear becoming pregnant. Uh, the women came a long way on that day, very long way. Let's go to Venezuela. Venezuela. Nicolas Maduro. Nicolas Maduro. I have talked about Nicolas Maduro for four years. Uh, he is the president of Venezuela, uh, and he came into popularity. <laughs> he came into being known worldwide when, four years ago, Venezuela ran out of toilet paper. I wrote about this. I talked about this. I had a television show at the time. I talked about this. How can you run out of toilet paper? And to this day, four years later, they still do not have enough toilet paper in Venezuela, okay? They don't have enough toilet paper. And not only do they have not, not have enough toilet paper, they don't have enough food, they don't have enough jobs. Inflation uh, is predicted to go by the end of the year to something like 740%. Uh, farmers don't grow crops because the supermarkets don't have people going to them because they don't have jobs to buy anything. And that's the way it's going over there. Now, the people are upset. They haven't revolted. And I would assume they're going to revolt. You can't put up with this shit. Well, why is he staying in power? Okay? Uh, I didn't know why he was in power. I just figured it out. I just was able to ascertain it. Because, again, our media doesn't talk about this stuff. He's in power because he controls the military. They call it military assistance in Venezuela. It's a banana republic, a big banana republic, okay? It's like, you know, Batista. But somebody came in and knocked Batista off, Castro. And somebody's going to come in and knock this guy Maduro off. But they're going to have to take on the army, too, because that's his team. Now, why does this all come to attention this week? And I am talking about it again. Well, there is an opposition party. Actually, there are several opposition parties. And one of the opposition parties, it's an extreme uh, right party, is was, i got to use the term was, the past tense, uh, led by German Mavari. German Mavari. 
Well, last Friday, he got shot in the head. He was killed. He was assassinated, okay? He had just finished uh, circulating a petition that had 1.8 million signatures on it seeking the removal of Maduro as president of Venezuela. So Maduro's people went out and shot him in the head and killed him. And I say, how do you know, et cetera? Well, I'll tell you what happened after he got shot. After the assassination, Maduro went on national TV, and he said, all politicians who are opposed to me are potential targets just as Mavare was. Can you imagine? My God, he, he, he's bad, this guy. And I've been saying he's bad for four years. And I thought he was bad just because he ran out of toilet paper and never figured out how to get more toilet paper in. We're going to talk about refugees a little bit here, the refugees going into Europe. Uh, let's start with Berlin. There was a rally two days ago in Berlin, a rally two days ago in Berlin, an anti-refugee rally. Here again, you, there were thousands of right-wing extremists in the streets. They were carrying signs, most of which were labeled, and I quote, no Muslims on German soil, unquote. Appreciate that most of the refugees coming in are Muslims from the Middle East, as opposed to North Africa, etc. Uh, last year, last year Germany took in 1.1 million refugees. Germany's got a big heart, or it's, money has a lot to do with this, as I'll get to. They took in 1.1 million refugees. Merkel, the president, uh, uh, prime minister of Germany, she wants to take in. Another 1.5 million refugees this year. And the people are fed up with it. They are absolutely fed up with it because it's just, it, it ruins everything. I don't have to explain to you. The schools are overloaded. Your welfare programs break down. The hospitals can't take care of everybody. Who's going to pay for what? All right. And these protesters are really not only anti-refugee, they're anti-Merkel. Merkel is saying we've got to uphold the Euro Union. If we can take all these people and absorb them into the 28 nations making up the Euro Union, it will be a great thing and help make stronger the Euro Union. Well, her people are starting to say, screw the Euro Union. We don't care about that. We just care about Germany, not the other 27 countries. And so this is getting bigger and bigger, and it's, it's getting more disturbing over there. Uh, now, this group, these right-wing extremists, this is a political party. Three years ago, this party did not exist. I'm laughing. There was no political party three years ago made up of these right-wing extremists. Sounds like the Tea Party here. They are now a formal party. Three years later... They are the third strongest political party in Germany. That's a big deal because European nations generally have coalition governments. They aren't just two-party countries. They're several parties. And no one has the majority to control, so they make deals with people who have six votes here and seven votes there to give them enough to have 51%. And a little group, this, I'll bet you this, they don't have more than six or seven seats, the third most powerful uh, party in Germany. But that's enough. That's enough to put a president in and keep him and or keep him in power. Which now brings me to Poland. Because this past week, Poland said, up yours. 
We are not taking in any more refugees, not even one. And they're getting hit by Merkel. They're getting hit by the Euro Union, saying you must do this. You're a part of the Euro Union. You make the Euro Union stronger if we can deal with this problem through all our countries. And Poland says, no way, Jose. We are done. It has screwed us up. Poland is more important than the Euro Union. That is the enunciated position of Poland. Poland is more important than the Euro Union. Uh, I had the good fortune this week uh, to speak to uh, some people in Europe that, that I know. Uh, my, I have a blog. My blog's out every day, seven days a week in the morning. talks about a lot of things. Key West Lou. You can find it at keywestlou.com. And uh, I've made a lot of friends. I've been doing that blog about 12 years, and I have a significant number of followers worldwide. Uh, one of my uh, Italian friends wrote to me, emailed me this week, uh, to tell me that uh, they have a problem over there in Italy because, well, let me approach it from the Trump position. Italy has too many refugees from North Africa. The, the, Italy's getting the ones from North Africa. Germany's getting the ones from uh, the Middle East. The, they're they're Afri- Africans. They, they come in. They're all trying to get to Sweden because Sweden's got a free basket of everything for everyone. They can't seem to get there. They get stuck in Italy, especially in northern Italy. And uh, Italy is paying them. I may have said this earlier in the show. If I didn't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it now. Italy's paying them 30 euros a day to every Muslim refugee. M- mother, father, daughter, children, uh, which is 40 bucks a day to help these people get along. And this person I was talking to said, Lewis, we love Trump in Italy. I just, how the hell can you love Trump? He's a disaster in the making. Uh, no, no, we love Trump. And the reason we love Trump is because he's anti-immigration. He's going to build the wall between you and Mexico. We don't have someone with that strength here. And I said, the wall, the, the wall compared to your problem is grossly insignificant. We don't have a million, million and a half people or five million people coming over the Mexican border. Uh, it's not the same, but this Italian loved Trump. Now I had the good fortune of getting a telephone call from one of my followers who I've known for years from the United Kingdom, from London, okay? And he doesn't like Trump. And he says, my people, the English don't like Trump. You have to understand, the Muslims have been coming in in great numbers and legally into England for I don't know how many years. Now they have built up neighborhoods. They have taken over unions. They're politically powerful. Just this past week, London elected a new mayor. He is Muslim, okay? And they're there. And they don't like Trump because he don't like the Muslims. Amazing, isn't it? I want to talk about prisons, uh, private prisons, uh, because the, the trend in the last 15 years, especially in the last 10 years, is for cities, counties, states to turn over the business of jailing prisoners to private business. They are outsourcing. They're getting rid of them to make their, balance, their budgets balance. And so companies have come into being who take over and run the jails, build the jails, provide the security guards, uh, provide the food, 
whatever has to be done in a jail, they do. And there's one price the state, county, et cetera, has to pay, and it all works out for the public uh, entity. Well, it's not working out all over. I want to show you, first of all, how it's becoming a big business. Uh, you ever hear of 3M? Well, you certainly did. We all have. 3M makes scotch tape. Well, 3M is the biggest corporation right now in the business of prison, in the prison business, the private prison business. 3M. I'm using them as an example because they're numero uno. Uh, they're the biggest American corporation in that business today. Uh, you know how big it is for them? Last year, they took in $30 billion for the work they do in operating jails, owning and operating jails. $30 billion. They sell more scotch tape than that, I found out. But still, $30 billion, can you imagine, in one year? Now, this doesn't just help these big corporations. They found a money source. It also helps smaller corporations that service the big corporations. These jails, they have to be designed. They have to be constructed. They have to hire architects. Uh, 3M, for example, has to hire architects, construction firms. They've got to buy furniture. The prisoners sleep on cots. The officers need desks. Uh, what about medical care? Mental health care is big in jails. It's got to be provided. They go to an outside group of doctors or a, to a hospital and enter into a contract. Everybody's eating up this big time. Uh, food, you got to buy it someplace. Security system, you know, you run, you try to escape from jail, the, the bells go off and they ring and everything. Somebody's got to sell that to the jail system and install it. What about the transportation of prisoners from the jail to court, from one jail to another? Now we've got a limousine business that somebody started. And everyone's eating off this and everyone's happy. It's the American way, nothing wrong with it. But the problem is, the bottom line is, these private prisons are not doing a good job. They're not taking care of the prisoners properly. Now you're going to say, well, they're prisoners. Who the hell cares? But you're still entitled to proper medical care, proper food, et cetera, et cetera. They beat the hell out of these guys. Uh, and I just, it doesn't work as far as I'm concerned. And someday it's going to change. Uh, I have a couple of observations. Number one, if we don't treat these prisoners properly, I'm not saying well, I'm saying properly, they're going to come out more bitter against society than they were when they went in, which means they're going to commit crime again, which means they're going to be back in jail again at a time when we're trying to reduce the jail population in this country. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, that's all. And corruption? I'll tell you about corruption. I wrote about this 10 years ago. For 10 years, this went on in New Jersey or Pennsylvania, I forget which state, two family court judges. They had the ability to send uh, minors, anyone under 17, I think it was at the time, uh, to be incarcerated, to be jailed in an institution set up for minors. All right. And they started sending over a period of 10 years, these two family court judges, you skip school, your parents didn't know. Three days in jail. I'm calling it a jail. It was a jail. Uh, or you get a week um, in jail. You get a month for this, two months for that. Short periods of time. Good students, straight-A students. Didn't matter. Everybody, all these kids are going and being thrown into a jail facility, although for a short period of time. And why? Why? This was a privately run jail because for every person that went, 
the jail got a X number of dollars a day from the government entity. And to encourage these two family court judges to send these kids to the kids' jail, they were giving kickbacks to the judges. The judges were getting a piece of the action. <clears throat> I forget how much it amounted to. It was an astronomical sum. And they, they, and they ended up going to jail for 20 years apiece. How's that? They deserve to. But that's the story there. It's not a healthy situation for this country. Uh, that's, that's the show for this week. Uh, there's a, a couple of things I want to add in that I haven't talked about before. One, you know the show's archived. I know most of you miss it tonight, but uh, there are thousands of you that re- listen to this show in its archived version over the course of the next week. And I love that you do it. Black Talk Radio, YouTube. This show is also linked to my T. West Lou website. I want to tell you about my blog. I have a blog I write every day, uh, keywestlou.com. I talk about my life in Key West the day before. I think it's mundane, but I think a lot of people live vicariously through my activities. Uh, I also talk about politics. I talk about what's happening in the world. I talk about a lot of things. Uh, Not very long, 300 words, 400 words, 500 words tops. And I put it out every morning. And it has a huge following. I've been at it for 12 years. I have people all over the world. You heard me today, Italy, UK. Uh, I'd like you to take a look at the blog. I'm also on uh, Tumberland, by the way. This week we went on Tumberland, uh, and my blog is coming up on Tumberland every day. Uh, all I'm asking, read my blog if you get a chance, keywestlou.com, easy to find, keywestlou.com. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, that's the show for this week. Uh, enjoy doing it with you again. Uh, look forward to being with you next week. Come back and join me. Have a good week, my friends. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.